I'll just move my mouth when you speak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on everybody? I am Waldo from Face Wrestling. I know y'all can't see me because I am behind the camera on this one, but today we are joined with, as always, by the Matt and Dr. The White. And today our special guest, you've seen his illustrious picture on the social medias for Face Wrestling, the promoter of Inspire AD in Austin, Texas, the powerhouse of wrestling here in Texas, especially on the I-35 corridor, the man, the myth, the legend, Biss himself. What's up guys? Thanks for having me. Uh, we're so excited for you to be here, but since I'm not on camera, I'm gonna let Doctor, my wife, and Matt take this one. I'm just glad you're you're looking and feeling better. Yeah, survived. The neck is doing okay. I'm not concussed anymore. Jeez, less concussed. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> so why are we here today, Matt? Today we are going to be doing a watch along and a Q and A. I don't know why that came out weird, but we're gonna do a Q and A. We're gonna do a watch along. We're gonna ask biss all the questions we've always wanted to ask biss and some of the questions that you guys have wanted to ask him and we're going to talk about and celebrate hana a little bit yeah Sounds like fun. all right Let's so first it. things first as always so we don't get hit with the don stevens here oh we're going to be playing the hana press conference from march 25th march 25th right Oh, you should know. Yes. You well, write I have it all, down. I, I, actually, I was sitting here looking at my notes. I was like, I have everything except for the ex exact date. It's the day after episode 38. <laughs> we should staple a covered. sticky to your forehead with the date on it. Yes. So this is episode 39, and we should be good mm -hmm. in timeline-wise. And uh, as we start this, let me go ahead and start it for y'all. I got my tea. Now I'm you, ready. We couldn't open press conference as we can't get to your local storage right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> Take three. Oh no, Sadie's not with him anymore. Oh no, we're face for wrestling. Remind you, we nice. we stole take three. We can have it. Oh, we stole it fair and square. Oh, she's looking lovely. All right, so we have this going in the background now, right? Okay, y'all can see it. Yes. Yes. Okay. You. Now I don't know who the dude on the left is. I've asked around about this, but I know that the ever so charismatic gentleman on the far right is our ever favorite Japanese Jack Dunny. There he is. And all his fedoric splendor. Now, again, fedoric. this took place the day after episode 38, and this is when Hana is officially signing with Stardom as a full-time player, or as we know, a wrestler. Mm -hmm. So, I'm assuming post-press conference that she actually got her tracksuit, because those are only for the full-time wrestlers in Stardom. Mm. I'm going to assume that the man on the left is a moderator, maybe? That's what I'm assuming. And if you notice also in the background, you see Wrestle 1, yeah. There. Okay, so I did some uh, a little bit of research, and I'll be going through this in my notes. Wrestle One is actually the school that the Great Muda started up. Oh, nice. And so she trained there for about three years, and, and I, this is where I'm at in my notes. And that now that she's done training with Wrestle One and ready to move forward, she's wanting to start with Stardom full time. 
This is Hana you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. And now, right after Hana speaks, they're going to be going into some questions from the press because it's actually a full-on press conference. Right. Control yourself, Waldo. Do not go off on press conferences in wrestling lately. Oh, okay. <laughs> For those that know, they know. Ain't that right, Miss? Yeah. <laughs> but Hana was asked about how she feels on all this. She's very excited to be joining Stardom full-time and said that she was training with Wrestle One. Now, it opened in 2013 and unfortunately had to close in 2020 due to oh, reasons things. that would get us barred here on the YouTube because they're so sensitive about that. Right. Oh, yeah. We'll just keep it at that. So, but they've been made, uh, she has been making appearances up until now, obviously, in our timeline. And most notably, had her introduction into stardom with her mother, Mrs. Kyoko. Mm. And she notes that she's going full time. That she the reason is that she wants to give back by helping out where she can and supporting the stardom staff and wrestlers overall. Yep. Make wrestlers look good. Essentially, what she's doing in our priest TCS timeline that we saw in episode thirty-seven and thirty-eight, bring in foreign wrestlers, maybe even local wrestlers, to build a faction up to kind of introduce them to stardom and the rest of the world. And so like the ambassador get kind of that's yeah. her really how we've been saying her unofficial role has been in stardom so far yeah. up to this point. And Matt, I, I'm going to have to go back to a couple of off camera things we've said before in that this was definitely, if this is all you hired her for, you've done the right thing. Yeah. hundred percent. So before you continue, I have to ask, this is the first question of the night. Where did the translations come from? Because I don't see the the helpful translation guy. Is, is this your your fancy Japanese that you've been uh, working here? Your Japanese brain. So I did pick up a couple of words here and there. However, this is uh, the use of AI, and also calling in a couple of favors. Ah, uh, uh, I see. I see. <laughs> our our mutual friend. Well, thank you, thank you. The Rolodex, the wonder of the Rolodex. Contract <laughs> out. But for the help, as Dr. My wife pointed out, helpful Japanese subtitle guy is not here for this one. I wish they would have. But we've also been noticing the past couple of episodes that that has not been entirely accurate. Yes. Mm. And so just keep that in mind as we start moving forward. Her signing with stardom full time is seen as leveling up. She did specifically bring that up in that even though she was spending a lot of time with Russell One and hitting a couple of other promotions in Japan around this time period that her signing with stardom was definitely seen as that next level thing. <clears throat> Twins. Oh, <clears throat> stop it. Specifically, she was asked why she chose stardom. And it was because of the people and that it was an all women's promotion. She has wanted to be a professional wrestler for a very long time. Definitely inspired by her mother and the original incarnation of Oedotai. Mm. I don't know. I know you can't see it because I'm off camera, but I am wearing my Oedotai hat. Oh, that's that's a everyday thing. And just like we've already mentioned, she enjoys being paired with the foreign wrestlers and is starting to put a team together. And this is where she finally announces that she is building a faction. So we've been calling it pre-TCS. Yeah. We'll see in the next couple of episodes of our timeline to whether they name it or not, but it is going to be TCS. Yeah, you've already seen the workings, the the gas masks is coming, the theme songs, the the colors. Mm-hmm. And this crossover between local and foreign wrestlers is part of her signing full time too. The fact that they're bringing in more foreign uh, ladies to be able to be highlighted in the promotion, as we see right now with Rebel Kel, uh, Exia Zia, mm -hmm. 
uh, Goya Kong and many others that we've seen come across. This is kind of what pushed her to say, you know what? I'm ready for this. And, yeah. and they're going in the right direction. Yep. Hannah notes that it was her decision to become a professional wrestler and sign with stardom. Nobody forced her to do it. Nobody pushed her in that direction. This was totally on her by herself. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's something that goes kind of under the radar, especially in this day and age. A lot of wrestlers feel like they're forced to sign with somebody based on the exposure potential exposure or potential whatever the case may be and for this i'm actually going to ask this about do you see that happening a lot in the texas independent wrestling scene where people feel like they're forced to go somewhere based on peer pressure or something like that i think there's always sort of that situation happening depending on what level it's on i think it's a lot less prevalent now than it was before mm. uh, maybe especially when i broke in um th- there's kind of natural paths for people to take um if their school is associated with certain promotions there's kind of that natural mm. you know pipeline yeah. for them to start off there mm-hmm. um but I, I, a lot more it seems like schools are just encouraging people to go wherever they can learn mm. um so and, and i know in japan there's a lot of, of loyalty between um you know promotions and specific trainers and specific uh promotions so i could i could see where that was coming from and i'm sure she's you know people are thinking that her mother's directing her to go certain places so i understand why she would clarify that for sure yeah i was gonna say too yeah there's definitely probably some extra pressure whenever you're a wrestler's kid going in that they probably think you're being forced a certain way or you have to do it this way or you're going to be a wrestler in general. And so it's nice that she's clarifying, no, this is my decision. Nobody made this for me. Yeah. And and there has to be a little bit too. I'm, I'm assuming here, but um, you know, she watched her mother perform in, in full on full Joshi promotions. And at this point in Japan, a little bit before this, most of the Joshi was mixed in with, with other promotions. So to have a promotion like stardom where it's full, joshi wrestling had, had to be appealing to her too at the time i would assume so dr my wife yes along the same line of thinking because you you're currently going to hybrid school of wrestling for bringing out some commentary yes and interviewing too you don't think there's any kind of pressure for you to go a certain direction as far as like promotion work goes or anything along those lines no no uh actually uh marvel is really good about making sure that <clears throat> you are ready just in general ready for wherever you decide to go to so for this is the same for wrestlers he doesn't train you for a specific promotion he trains you generally to make sure that you know how to do what you're supposed to do from the wrestling to even promoting yourself so no there's no peer pressure as to where to go um the hybrid school of wrestling also has a hybrid experience so now you can cut your you know cut your teeth on something and 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 start working your way through making it to promoting yourself elsewhere so you're you're always going to get the experience through there but no there's no pressure to be anywhere except just make sure you know how to uh, engage with other wrestlers engage with other people promote yourself it kind of ties into what you were saying earlier, kind of joking around about the Rolodex, but you should yeah. definitely always be expanding your Rolodex right. anywhere and everywhere yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. networking is one of the uh, best skills that you can have, no matter whether it's wrestling or, or you know, 
whatever you're doing. Yeah. I think one of the first things I was told, and this is something that everybody's told the very beginning, is when you enter the school, you have to say hello to everybody. Yeah. And that's just to make, get you out of your shell a little bit, to, to get you used to speaking to people face to face, looking them in the eye, things like that. And, and it grows as you get more comfortable from hello to how are you to having a full-blown conversation. Mm -hmm. This works the networking piece. Or at least starts it, you know. Can I tell you guys one of my secret games that I like to play? Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm I'm not um, initially, like, just come across as I'm the promoter. Yeah. I mm -hmm. try to stay very low-key. Um, if I can get a read on you and your personality and how you act before you know I'm the promoter, yeah. I will 100% use that to determine whether or not I'm going to book somebody or use them or be involved with them at all. Oh, hold on. Let's fix that. We'll put the uh, Christian blue dot on you real quick. Yeah. The okay. That's why they can't, they can't identify. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, okay. He's doing this now all muffled behind a blue dot. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this like uh, Secrets of the Ring? Yeah. yeah. I my hockey mask. Oh. <laughs> Where's the stunt granny at? <laughs> Some very old references here. <laughs> now, Hana does note that there is a difference between being a part-time and full-time wrestler or being signed full-time in stardom and in the level of commitment. And we've definitely seen that here in the Texas wrestling scene where you can tell... Not negatively, but wrestlers come in for a one-off or for a couple of shows, and you know they're not going to be there for a long period of time. And the fans kind of get a little bit of turned off on that, where I'm going to give Stardom tip of the hat here, because how long has Hana been in Stardom up to this point? She's 21 now. So it's been about a year, right? But they, they get turned no, off No, she's been here in Stardom for two years, right? Yeah, so, somewhere a year yeah. or two, right? But you, the fan, especially us, when we first started watching Stardom, we, we didn't know she was part-time. Yeah. Oh, I see. She knew, we, we honestly thought that she was full-time until we ran across this press conference. Here oh, I see, like, I see. Oh, wait. She, but she's putting the work in. Wow. And so you, now you know for sure she's full-time. So there was no distinguishing as a fan. Oh, are they going to try to put a title on her? Or is she just not going to be here long enough for that? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Turn uh, down my Warzel alert. Sorry. Warzel. For those of you who play Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> well, it's also a potato reference if you get that. <laughs> but overall, the press conference was to highlight Hana signing with Stardom and let the press ask some basic questions to get to know who she is overall and let her interact with the public on a kind of outside the character type thing because how we see her in this press conference is not necessarily how she's being presented in the ring current timeline. Okay. And definitely not moving forward. So yeah, she hasn't booted anybody in the face yet. So. Oh, not yet. <laughs> it's coming. She also looks like a capital S star. Right? Yeah, yeah. 100%. She, she looks like like a movie star. In current timeline, not even just people currently staying in Stardom, but going out. Stardom does really a really good job of allowing their talent to present themselves as stars. You know, as they should, as they should. Rumors about where Julia's gonna end up or whatever, but like just looking at her, I could build a co you could build a company around her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just for the job you want. Yeah, and then the yeah. others that have gone out and Io when she left and Kyrie when she left, they they look like this is somebody I want to watch. This is somebody I want to follow. This is like I said, somebody I want to build around. Mm -hmm. They do a really good job of that. There, they're not just showing up in sweatsuits and 
go where I go and money, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's something there's something to be said for wrestlers who do that. But yeah, uh, hurt my heart. <laughs> We're supposed to be based for wrestling, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, after today, and for those that know, no, I'm going to be opening up another account, Heal for Wrestling, where oh. I talk nothing oh, but wonderful. Dallas Cowboys. Mm. Oh, thank, thank you, guys. I Can appreciate you it. Heal for Prescott. Hold on, I lost my gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's really the end of that. I may leave it playing in the background. How long is left on it? Uh, we got about like, five. Yeah. I, oh, I I'll, see. I can't. Whenever this closes out, I'll just have us go back to full screen. Oh, okay. But we have had some questions come in for Biss, the ultimate promoter. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm prepping. <laughs> Deep breath. And I'm going to start with the first question, and uh, because Biss already knows how I feel about this. Matt knows how I feel about this. Okay. Doctor, my wife knows how I feel about this. It's it your favorite thing in the world. About... Okay. Yeah. So the first question that we have from this is, what are your feelings on the death match scene? Oh, oh man. Oh boy. We're kicking <laughs> right out of the um, Right out the gate. So, so death match wrestling is what piqued my interest in Japanese wrestling. So there's a, a very special place in my heart for it. Um, Big Mick Foley fan. Mm. Followed. If you were a fan of Mick Foley, then you heard about these crazy death matches in Japan that were something you'd never seen. Mm. Ah. So uh, I followed that to um, to his death matches, which tied me into Onita. Um, and one of my the first favorite matches that I saw was um, Combat Toyota's retirement match. Which then got me into Joshi wrestling. So, like, in a weird way, there's a special place in my heart for it. Um, but at the same time, there's nothing I would want to watch less than bad deathmatch wrestling, specifically American deathmatch, whack each other with random trash. Uh, Is there a spectrum wrestling. to it? I, I think so. Spectrum. I think if you take two guys that can wrestle and you put them in that environment mm -hmm. and they're wrestling. And the elements of that are tied into the actual psychology and the wrestling. Mm -hmm. There's very special moments that can be made. If you have two guys that can't wrestle and you're trying to cover it up with those elements, it's know. probably crap. Mm -hmm. um, I, I also appreciate the fact that a guy going through a, a, a deathmatch tournament can kind of showcase his toughness. Um, something that I, I've, I've used in promoting um, the deathmatch show that we co-promoted with Heavy Metal uh, was a big part of that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a uh, it's kind of a a yin and yang kind of relationship with deathmatch anymore. It's not something I super enjoy promoting, um, especially month in and month out, yeah. just because it definitely is much dangerous, much more dangerous. And there's a chance that I have to deal with one of my talents being maimed or, or seriously yeah. injured, which is makes any like it can be the best in ring show, but if somebody gets hurt, you're bummed out for a week, you oh, know, if not longer. So, um, yeah, I I hope there's an answer somewhere in that diatribe I just went across. But yeah, that that's sort of my relationship with deathmatch wrestling. That makes sense. I'm, I'm, can I tie off of your answer to plug yeah. somebody real quick too? Because I'm with you. I feel like there is definitely a spectrum. There's a difference between watching someone like 
Dimitri Kilbert, go do a match, mm. who puts the psychology and the actual talent behind it. And then if you were to watch me go to a death match, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just swinging stuff as hard as I can. So there, there, and you have that, cause I don't, I don't want to name names cause we don't try to go negative, but there are people out there that are just, it's me in a ring swinging a bat as hard as I can yeah. at somebody's head. And that, to me, that does a disservice to people like Dimitri who do it really well and safe as safe as it can be. Cause mm-hmm. it is a death match at yeah. the end of the day. And so like, I would, I would rather, I would rather we, we calm down on the number that happened in the scene in general then keep just plugging and plugging and plugging. Yeah, make, it should feel special. Yeah. Um, I will tip of the hat to Baracho. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're sort of a quote unquote deathmatch company, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, the ones that they've done, they they've made mean something. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully that continues. Coming for you, Brad. <laughs> would you do a death match me personally or book one you um when like at this point no because i couldn't walk the next morning (laughs) well uh, younger you (laughs) like like if you gave me my body when i when i was like 21 then that was definitely something that i thought uh i was going to uh going to get into um looking back on if you gave me my wisdom from now absolutely not um well maybe not absolutely but much less likely with the wisdom that i have looking back over uh 16 years of watching it um those scars don't go away right? <laughs> like those scars are there forever yeah um and you only get one trip around the sun right yeah. so um probably something i would i would pass up immense respect for the guys that do it properly though yeah what would it take for you to do a death match what would it take oh wow. um i think 3.5 million i could <laughs> live I off that. of the interest for the rest of my life and never live comfortably off for the rest With of my great life great insurance yeah so um 3.5 million and i will you can you know I'll give you 25 minutes, you know. Um, we'll go Broadway. With your 21, you're going to do a Rocky Balboa question. Oh, man. <laughs> With your peak body yep. and the current deathmatch wrestlers now, who would you like to deathmatch against? So, um, A big part of the reason I'm in the office position is that my peak physical body was not at the level to uh, to be much more than a, a weekend warrior. Um but today, like John Wayne Murdoch, I think is is the Ooh. best guy out there. Yeah. Um. So I would probably really enjoy uh, being able to do something with John Wayne Murdoch. Um. I'm not athletic enough, but uh, Arrow Boy is is amazing and does it. Um. And then, like, if you want to go, like, um, Onita would be like my childhood. You got to would, yeah. would like. You know, go crazy for that. And then uh just another one, like his body's not where it used to be, but Matt Tremont I think is is uh is amazing too. Sorry, I'm leveling out over here. <laughs> oh, did the uh, press what conference up? finish? Oh yeah, so the press conference is already done. Like yeah. I said, I've already m- moved us back up to the main screen here. Hold on, let me backtrack that one on you real quick. Would you do a death match? And if so, for how much? Who? You. Me? Yeah. Because I know your feelings <laughs> on death matches. 
But I also know your feeling that there's a price for everything. <laughs> Everything's got a price. Yeah. For the million peso redneck. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, what's your price for a deathmatch? Oh, not enough. I, I would have to go far beyond the 3.5 million. <laughs> mm. I would say double that so I can get all the compounds set up and everything first. Uh, pay for the medications that I'm going to be needing. Yeah, it just, it, it's... I don't see a point in it nine times out of ten I, and that may be because of oversaturation no it, because it's being played out on tv uh i don't think that a death match should ever be played on free tv oh, i don't I think see. any spectacle match should be played on free tv it, because it takes the special away from it that mm. should be something that sells those tickets for the pay-per-views or what we're calling premium live events now mm. uh, so if you have a show, independent wrestling scene aside, because that's kind of a different situation there, because you don't normally on the independent scene, especially here in Texas, you don't have promotions doing weekly shows or even twice a month. Yeah. We have There's once a month, that some that do, but far and few in between. So why are we going to oversaturate the market here when like like this brought up Baracho Pro, yeah, that's their shtick. Mm. I well, and I, I'm not trying to belittle them. Please, they please, have a show yeah. coming up here soon. Yeah, please don't think it's like that. And Uncanny, the last couple of shows they've had have had death matches in them. No, it's the last show they had wasn't. They had death matches in them. I to me, when is too much? Too much. Mm. If you're going going to see a show where Dimitri, like you brought up, Matt. We love him. We yeah. absolutely. We actually have the up on the shelf over here. See if I can get the camera. Oh, there, we actually have a piece of the table he went through when he won his uh, Inspire Pro Perce uh, Pure Prestige Championship. Yeah. Yes, got him to autograph it and everything. Oh, it's up there. He Fantastic got the stickers on it and everything. Yeah, it, it, and and it tore the house down. We absolutely loved it, mm -hmm. but we also know that Dimitri wrestles across the state of Texas. Yeah, what if he had been? that same weekend going to Baracho, going to Uncanny, going to RCW, and he kept doing those mm. death matches. He didn't. But you see you just saw one and then you're seeing another and another. And at what point does it lose its value? Mm. It, it, it numbs you after a while. Oh it yeah. does. Yeah. And you see that in T V shows too. It's not just wrestling. It, it's in it's in everything. It's jumping the shark. I'm touching on the numbing thing too. You also have the danger then because it numbs people of, oh, well, he fell off a 10 foot ladder. Now I got to fall off a 15 yeah. foot ladder. Um, but or, now I got to jump off this building. And it yeah. just, where do well, you stop? Well, he only fell off an eight foot. So uh, yeah. do I even really care? Like, yeah. 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 You, you're just kind of hurting yourself. Or, well, collectively, everybody. So I think my price would be not only the monetary side of the house, but to also the fan appreciation side would it mean something for those fans and be unique for the uh, promotion and experience overall i think it goes back to what was said about the wrestler and making it special the wrestlers yeah. that are involved do make it special uh you know depending on their level of care of it because i know one in particular stud stash does death matches too and he really does prep for those matches like mentally prep for those to make it as special as possible because he wants to make sure what he puts out there is quality um, Uncanny does theirs, but they don't do them often. Mm. Um, Inspire does it as well. Again, they don't do it often either. So, 
at least independently it is special because it doesn't happen all the time unless that is the whole promotion's mission statement you right. know what i mean yeah. stud's an interesting case too because his first match with us was quote unquote a death match um was this the one where he got shot no <laughs> it was later on <laughs> um but that it basically introduced us to introduced him to our crowd as as a guy a tough guy mm. so then now that he folds in and he's the muscle for a little evil he's got a little bit more sandpaper a little bit more grit mm. to him mm-hmm. um so, this was the pentagram ball right yeah yeah shout out to stuff came out with a fender yep. was well, actually the oh, fender has a good. name the fender has it, a name for your information misery yeah. sorry he came out with misery Very strapped good. to his arm that right there again that goes back to what we're talking about doing it right they did what two minutes off of just that spot yeah. with nobody ever yeah. getting hurt 100 percent. the only reason that he got booked the only match that i'd seen him in before that mm-hmm. um he he injured his knee and couldn't finish the match wow so oh, I so i i had word of mouth that he you know was was healthy mm-hmm. uh, but the only other thing i'd seen was stuff with the uh with the with misery nice. so 100 percent the reason that he got the shot and then like now he's a staple of our company yeah is bret hart overrated oh don't do that no that's a question that i got was it really it is i saw the question i am yeah i'm gonna answer this one and i'm gonna take a shot at someone bret hart is overrated because he is rated number one and he is not the best so therefore he has to be overrated damn can i ask you can i ask you a follow-up to that part then just so then that if Bret Hart does, doesn't get injured and was able to continue wrestling for another five to ten years, does he have a chance to get that number one spot? To, and to not be, be number one? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. And and I, I guess I'm saying Ric Flair. And I'm doing this purely out of spite because this the the exact same argument was made against Ric Flair to me at one point, and it really mm. upset me. Um, but uh, I, I would say it's, it's one of those two, mm. right? As far as in-ring... I was gonna say, yeah, um, we just let, saying let's just take out the whole business because there's so many different variables that go into that. Yeah. It's gotta be one of those two guys, right? The next one is probably my favorite question. Okay. Is the franchise Shane Douglas overrated? Hold on a second. <laughs> yes. No. No. <laughs> Shane Douglas rules. <laughs> I think Shane Ready? Douglas Fight. rules. I'm with him on Shane Douglas rules, but also I feel like a lot of people don't rate Shane Douglas anyways, so you yeah. can't be overrated if most people are yeah. overlooking you. De- Dean Douglas is horrible, oh. <laughs> but franchise Shane Douglas is awesome. Like that's a moment in time. Yeah. Like um, I'll give you that. I will. I, I everybody already knows that moment in time. Yeah. Like if you go back and watch that now, those promos are probably going to make you cringe. But like that weird late nineties, um, mm-hmm. you know. It, the only guy dropping f bombs and calling Ric Flair a dinosaur and and all that stuff like uh, that's also like my uh, my teen years so like mm. I ate that up yeah so weird. and he's from Pittsburgh so like oh, okay. come on a weird full circle moment here too though a lot of deathmatch companies built themselves up off of his back as well yeah. he he got them off the ground yeah for better or worse yeah XPW yeah with him coming in was a a huge boon for them like. Yeah, and like his uh, when he was on um commentary, it was mm-hmm. amazing when he blew his uh his uh elbow out. Um, he was really good on commentary too for uh, well I don't know he was next to Joey Styles so 
maybe that's why he, he looked so good. Joey Styles, yeah. But I, but I think I think Shane Douglas does also doesn't get credit as a talker. Yeah, he does have he does. I know, I know you don't like what he says a lot of times because you think he gets a little too self-involved but that's the character that's the franchise he's supposed to be talking about himself and putting himself over so i think people don't give him the credit as a talker that he probably deserves as well yeah well and especially he knew that crowd yeah like um you go back and listen to today though you it doesn't hold up over time (laughs) but uh but in the moment he was amazing but also he found a way because there were so many good talkers in that company at the time you had a foley you had raven you had dreamer which was a different kind of promo you had say man he found a way to stand out and be different from all of those guys so yes it's, it is cringy now but at the time nobody else was doing it yeah so i, I i'll give you're overrated waldo not shane douglas oh, wow. <laughs> okay <laughs> oh no <laughs> how do you feel about part-time wrestlers or legends at indie shows i i'm glad you sent this question in because funny enough those that know know at the last inspire show what happened what, oh, what, what part-time what? legend do we have oh, oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah we got to keep that guy off the card yeah um, no now we, we we can't really bring that up just know yeah. that it's an inside joke here, yeah but so but, but like i guess i need a little bit of clarification like are we talking about like you bring in hacksaw jim duggan and yeah he, something, uh, something along those lines he like it's the uh the top heel with a uh two by four uh, I give give you a prime example of a show that we went to was the Pro Wrestling Element show in San Antonio that Troy ran, mm-hmm. where they brought in Kurt Angle. Kurt does, Angle was that even, count? He didn't get in the ring, right? Yeah. But it, it, just the fact that you have him on the card, you're bringing a part timer in. Mm-hmm. You notice that it, not to take away from anything, Troy, a lot of folks only showed up for Kurt Angle. Now that's a good thing because they also got exposed to everybody else that right. was at the show too, and that's always a plus to bring in a part timer or a, a, a legend in that re, in that respect to a show like that. But there's pros and cons too from a fan's perspective for for us here at Face Wrestling. There are times where you bring somebody in like that and it overshadows everything else going on. Mm. So I'm going to toss this over to Bess because as a promoter, how do you think there's too much, too little? Can it be overdone or underdone? Yeah. It, it, so my, my goal is to elevate guys to the next level. That's not every promoter's goal, right? Some promoter's goal is to make money, you know, write a book if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, some promoter's goal is, you know, just to send, you know, family and kids home happy so it kind of depends on what you're trying to do um if you're bringing them in and it's getting eyeballs on the rest of your your roster and then it's elevating them cool but (laughs) we have this horrible thing that we do over the last 10 years maybe more where we bring in the legend and then go oh that's a real star the the guys now aren't real stars that's a real star that's and like can you like the example is always can you imagine like um you know bruno showing up on uh on raw and going well this stone cold guy you know he's not a real star like i was like imagine what that would have done yeah um and that that's kind of what it does when you see it at that top level so it works the same way on the indies sometimes if you bring in a guy and you present him like he's the biggest star 
I, I worked with a, a legend on a show in, in Dallas one time and he came in and he's like, oh, well, I had this idea, you know, maybe I'm in the ring getting interviewed. And then do you guys have any heels? Who, who's the, the main, this guy here, he's a pretty good heel. So maybe him and who else is a heel? Cause maybe they come in and they try to, to jump me and then I get him and I get him and, and then uh, I leave him laying. I think everyone will really enjoy that. Well, cool. But now the top three heels just got beat up by a guy that's well oh, past his prime. Yeah. You know? So now next month when you're, you got your baby face in peril against these guys, that some old guy beat up last month. So it, it can, it's definitely a slippery slope. Um, I try to avoid it wherever it's possible. The guests we bring in is usually brought in to highlight or elevate somebody that's already on the roster. So here's a follow-up question, then, because uh, some promotions bring the guests in to also help uh, with the networking, like just just expose the guys, like you said, yeah. but also to give some knowledge, because some of them do workshops, they do uh, discussions on production, discussions on wrestling. In that aspect, do you think it's a good way to bring them in? Because uh, there's promotions like you mentioned PWE has done that. Ibert does that as well, and it gives really good exposure to the, to the wrestlers that are in there, the students, the, the, the um, veterans and things like that. So I think, you know, again, it depends on – you have to know your audience, and you have to know what, what the goal of your promotion is. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're trying to develop students and you're – because you're 100% right. Those guys, there's not a lot of people left that, that really know. Yeah. And uh, when you bring those guys in, they know. They yeah. can give that experience. So <clears throat> it, it's really what you then do with that legend on the show afterwards, mm-hmm. right? That's what you have to be careful mm-hmm. of. And, and sometimes they know, but they also know what gets them over. And they want to yeah, make I sure see, that I that's see. what happens, right? Yeah. So it's just really kind of how you treat it. it, it there's definitely benefits, uh, but... Those are the reasons why I, I kind of shy away from it. So then, would you say that a big recommendation falls back on the promoter that you got to research who you're bringing in as well as not just knowing your thing, but knowing what they're going to do when they come in? Yeah, well, and then sometimes you don't know. Sometimes it's oh, a right. great unknown, right? You kind of know, you know the wrestling character. You mm. get a general idea when you're doing business with them. But, you know, you never know. Hope. What I try to do is a lot of times when I use somebody, I try to get some feedback from someone else that's used them. Mm-hmm. So that way I kind of know what to expect. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, sometimes a guy shows up and his idea of what he wants to happen that night is completely different from yours. So yeah. um, sometimes you have to have uncomfortable conversations oh. with, with people that you may have even been like a fan of. Yeah. Which, uh, I've been there before, um, not in a promoter role, yeah. but in an mm-hmm. agent role of helping someone out mm. and being like, hey, this is what they want done. Oh, I, well, I wanted to do this. Well, this is what they want done and they're paying the bill. So this is what needs to happen. Um, and then sometimes it's like, well, I, I need this person on the show. I need this to happen. Mm-hmm. So we have yeah. to work something out. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So, still on the line of legends and part timers and kind of steering away from the independent scene, how do you feel about those same folks showing up at a major event? For instance, the Santa taker that shows up at WrestleMania every year. Santa. <laughs> you mean not the ghouly gooker? It's Thanksgiving, I'll have you know. <laughs> I mean, for a while there, it became an attraction, right? Because it was who was going to get the, the Undertaker match. Mm. Um, 
I, I think it does a lot of that. Okay, WrestleMania season, time for the real stars to show up. Like, why would you watch the other, you know, uh, nine months of the year or whatever it is with, with the guys that are the, the B-team players, you know? Um, if, if the quote-unquote real stars are going to show up, you know, in April. Um, so that that's always kind of frustrates me with the TV. I think there's a way to use use people like that, um, but use them in support of the people that are going to be there you know, month in and month out, hopefully selling tickets for you, which mm -hmm. that company currently is doing a great job of selling tickets. So mm -hmm. I can't talk too much, but yeah. you know, in the past they haven't. And I think, I think big part of telling your fans, Hey, the, these guys are more special, but you see it now. Like they've cultivated fans that, that will eat anything that they put on the plate. Uh, now they bring guys back and it's kind of like, well, wait a second. We, we want to, we want to do the LA night thing. We want to do, the thing we've been doing week in and week out, we don't we don't care about this guy that's been gone for ten years. So yeah. you, you've promised us the story. Uh, yeah, we want the story. Yeah, which is we, huge we, on Twitter right now. We don't care about you know this old stuff. Mm -hmm. we, this is our stuff. We we watch this week in and week out. God bless them. This is it. There was that combination because, like you said, five years ago when it was all just kind of casual and you had yeah. to use Brock over and over yeah. again once a month, once a year. It worked because you had to keep the lights on but like you said they've done a surprisingly good job and a lot of it is the fan now they want what they want and what they want is now which sounds weird to say out loud but yeah the, uh, the discontent fan is gone yeah oh really that you know you don't have people chanting weird stuff trying to take over the show mm -hmm. if they're not happy i mean that's kind of the benefit of having two major promotions if they're not happy with what that company is giving them they go and watch the other promotion or they just stop watching. Right. Seems like maybe what's happening. Mm. Um, ah. But, uh, right. So the fans that are left are the ones that, that they, they enjoy like that stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not my cup of tea. It's not my flavor ice cream, but, um, but the people that are in those buildings, they're there to, to chant along. They're there to sing the theme songs and, and do the little callbacks. Mm. And they love that stuff. So yeah, it, I think, uh, they're used to the the game plan of okay you know wrestlemania season comes bring these guys back but the fans they have in the building want the guys that have been there year round so yeah. so it's an interesting thing to watch for sure like just last night we had four actual major shows in america yeah, yeah. and not really any part-timers or there were there were debuts but not really any old school returns yeah and, they're all most for the most part all of them are being praised everybody kind of like found what they liked everybody was able to find something out of it and again you were able to build it off the backs of who's currently out there and doing things which is insane a year ago if you have said that well apw did use Estrella, so it was oh. kind of an outside but you know the other three major the other three major yeah. yeah so i had to clarify this question here because when i first read it like, are you asking this to me, Matt, Doctor, my wife, or or this? And they and they clarified it was to you. And I was like, okay, that makes better sense. And the question is, is was this a high risk decision for you, being the promotion of Inspire AD overall? Oh, being the promoter. Yeah, starting the promotion, uh, basically trying to cultivate what you have going in Austin today. Oh, oh I so 2012, the year before Inspire started, was the worst year of my wrestling career. Mm. So I was 
basically done. And um, I've told this story before, but um, the first three Inspire, the Inspire was only like best case scenario supposed to last three shows. Wow. And it was basically like, uh, it was basically my goodbye to wrestling. Like, Just one um, song? It was like, all right, um, 2012 was horrible. It was not fun to be around wrestling. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna produce some shows um, that are, you know, fun and with with people I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't didn't tell Max this at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Max that that was his break in, into wrestling. Um, so you know, sometimes he's he's pushed me to keep going. You know, and then once he gets me going, sometimes there's times I've got to push him to keep going. But you know, here we are, eleven years later. Yeah. Pe- the problem is people showed up. <laughs> so once, that's a problem. <laughs> once people showed up, then uh, show must uh, go we'll, on. We'll, all right, I guess we'll do another one. You know, um, you know, and and Max was was extremely driven at that time, where where I may have been kind of just trying to have my swans on, and uh, we just kind of kept each other going. So and here we are today. So I didn't view it as a risk at the time. Um, a weird way in the back of my head like this was always the game plan mm. um i i broke in holding a camera in the back mm. um but I, I was constantly trying to learn you know little bits and pieces about um about promoting and how to run a show and how things work uh i used to do this little trick where like you know they they say go talk to veterans, get feedback. Well, you know, I'm a camera guy. I'm not going to mm-hmm. go up and, and waste, you know, a guy like Dusty Wolf's time. But, you know, if you sit at the table right behind Dusty, you can hear everything he's talking about. Um, so I, I would try to position myself where I could overhear things. Um, <laughs> that sounds horrible, but, Genius. you know, that that's the way that it went. And then, um, you know, fortunately, by the time we got to 2013, I, I knew enough to be dangerous. So, um <laughs> kind of always in the back of my head thought that there might be a, a time where I'd be in the spot I am now. Um, but it wasn't the purely by design. It almost was an accident. Um, but, uh, happy to, happy to be here now. Definitely. Um, and, and wouldn't trade it for a world for the world. I don't pop on that. For, for, first of all, that's a very Japanese wrestling origin story as well. <laughs> I don't like wrestling. I'm going to go start my own. <laughs> um, was it and a camera guy too, no less. And yeah. a camera guy, Japanese yeah, yeah. Jack Tony. <laughs> yeah. Was it was it harder or more high risk or felt felt more like a high risk decision coming back post Muda as a callback to where we were saying 2020 time oh, frame and stuff yeah, earlier? Yeah. Um, I was I was chomping at the bit. I I was I was ready to go. Um, I was privy to um some data on that stuff so i was like kind of like okay it looks like this trend's going this way Mm. um like maybe at this point we can jump back in um so i i was ready to go at at various points and and before it was official and then you know um definitely didn't the last thing i wanted to do was to run a show and then somebody there gets sick Mm. and then have to to have that on my conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like watching people run during that time and the way that they were doing it was like, oh man, we could do that. We, mm-hmm. we could do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it always came back to that where it was like, okay, if we do run this show, 
and then somebody, either a fan or a wrestler, gets very sick from us running the show, mm -hmm. can we really live with that? And mm -hmm. until we got to the point where we could, we could say, okay, um, we think that we're in the clear enough that that's not going to happen, mm -hmm. um, we didn't really run. And that was very end of, of uh, 2021, right? Outdoors, um, at, um, at the uh, Yellow Jacket Social Club, um, everybody spread out, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, and then from there, everybody else started running indoors and, and things looked a lot better. So that made it easier for us to jump back in. Mm. I was waiting for you to ask another question. <laughs> no, sorry, that's, I was just curious about that one because like, that was a weird time in wrestling. And I saw some of those shows like you were talking about yeah. to where they were just, they almost never stopped running and it was like, oh, why though? Yeah. And then the ones that, like you said, you start off outdoors and then you can kind of work your way back in. Yeah. So, I... and, and like that, that was the point in time where I really fell back in love with wrestling in a weird way because it was taken away. Mm. Um, because every, like from 2013 was on was, okay, we're going to do these three shows and then I'm going to go do something else with my life okay okay maybe if i hit 10 years mm -hmm. then 10 years is enough then i'll you know and there was always just something else and you know that that's a lot of quiet time not mm -hmm. being able to be around people and just being like well hold on like doing this is what i enjoy doing this is what i love like right i don't want to ever not do this like and just saying that to yourself and being like well shit okay why why am i keep looking for an, an exit when, when if i did like here they forced an exit on me and i mm. hate this yeah so like why would i leave this if i ever had a chance not to leave this so mm. so some personal questions towards the end and we actually got wrapped up in this map okay first one is who's a better drinker me or you define better well i was about to say there needs to be some context added to this so i can't drink right now for a variety of reasons I don't drink anymore really they are not law related i just <laughs> want to clear that up <laughs> but neither one of us really drink anymore yet so we'll by just, default it's me yeah, yeah so by default the doctor the wife drinks the hardest out of all of us that's not don't please don't walk away <laughs> thinking that he's alcoholic you you not, all right so so drinks of choice okay well, that's a better question yeah, because drinking? that's the follow-up i'm a roman coke guy and coke yeah I, i'm glad you brought that up because it was uh jack and coke or beer was our next question <laughs> when, when i drank it was either uh jaeger and monster or vodka and red bull because i hate myself yeah yeah and if you're not feeling drunk and wired at the same time what no. are you doing have you had a bad jaeger night yes and you still drink Jaeger. yes okay the only thing the only, the only, I'll tell, I'll tell you respect. All, that's a story. word you could use. The situation. only alcohol I can't drink from a bad experience is Jack. Oh yeah. Because somebody, not naming names, my mm -hmm. first time ever drinking, brought Jack and Coke and vodka and orange juice. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I that you, that wasn't Jack. That's how bad that night was for you. <laughs> I died. I know yeah. that I stopped that, breathing. That wasn't Someone punched me in the chest and brought me back to life. That was not Jack that did that. That's how bad that night was. It was, was it Mad so Dog 2020. Oh, well. It was, no, there was that as well. It was just, it was bad. But if I taste <laughs> Jack now, yeah, I throw up. It like, it's right it's immediately, wow. yeah, immediate. But after all those times of like almost passed out on a dance floor at a random club in Germany 
from crashing from the Red Bull or the monster oh. or just whatever. No, I was still ready to go back to oh. my My worst and most favorite drink is soju. Soju's so good, though. I do soju <laughs> and cranberry. So I remember it was around this time of the year in 2004, and I can't narrow it down to a month or a day. I just can't remember episode. Yeah, I can't. It, just, it was just, <laughs> it was cold and there was snow outside, and I am anti-snow or cold. He didn't even know what snow was when he came to see me the first time. I was so out of it. I I had a uh, Ricky Bobby moment from Talladega, uh, Talladega Nights. I walked outside after slamming five of the green bottles. Matt knows what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. How big were the bottles? Uh, about... Yeah, big. Oh, God. So, um, You're by yourself. You. No, no, no. I wasn't by myself. That was just me. No, I mean... <laughs> Uh, no, I had people with me. No, I mean, did the people partake in this bottle? Or did oh, yeah, yeah. We were always. Oh, okay. No, no, no. They had their own. Oh, they had their own. So yeah. you yeah. took one of those bottles yourself. <laughs> no, I said four or five. I know, so but the... you took the whole, the whole We thing. had, so in, in Korea, you can actually buy soju by the case. Oh, jeez. Mm. Right? So nice. you bring the case like a case of beer, like an old cube, right? Right. And you go to the Nodi Bongs, which is karaoke bars. Mm -hmm. You sing all the songs terribly. You set the case down on the table. Or wonderfully, considering mm. you were drinking soju. And you open up the box and you just start pulling bottles out. Yeah. And you're supposed to be drinking it out of Shots. like this fancy cup or whatever. Yeah. And we just started drinking them out of the bottles. Jeez. Because it tastes like water. Yeah. And so when it's you start. sneaky one. And yeah. then you stand up and you're like, I've made a terrible yeah, mistake in my life. It just trickles all the way down to the rest of you. All I remember is walking out of that five-story Nodemong. There's about two feet of snow on the ground. I am stripping down to my underwear, rolling around in the streets, yelling, I am on fire. Oh, my gosh. And the, I had to have two or three people with me to kind of collect me up, throw me in a taxi, and get the hell out of there. <laughs> I said the one time we were supposed to have a who can drink better, because he was in Korea, I was in Germany, and it was like, who has the better drinking culture? He brought soju. I had never heard of it before. And he had a friend with him at the time, Jen. Shout out to Jen, wherever he is. <laughs> Not coming back to Texas and I was because like, of this incident. <laughs> I picked up soju, the soju bottle, because I'm like, and I literally was like, I'm from Germany. I could do whatever you could do and put but the I bottle in my lips and turn it upside down. The last thing I remember is doing that and Jen going, no. <laughs> uh, he negates to mention that. It wasn't just a regular soju bottle. I had gone yeah. down to the corner store before I came back over here on leave and brought back a gallon jug yeah, of soju. Gallon jug of soju that I decided to just tip up. And I woke up the next day locked in a room. Don't know how I got there. Don't know what happened. He locked Fun himself night. in. No, we sure did. We, we locked him in there. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you a rowdy drunk? I'm a fun drunk, fun. typically. I, typically. I'm the people watcher. Yeah. I will like... So, like Homer Simpson into the the shrubs, yeah. Because um, I like I. That's people, awesome. People generally. That's how I am. That's how yeah. I am now. Yeah. But I used to be the guy. Like I never fought. I was never a fighter. Like I was the guy that was like, "You want a drink? Let's get us a drink." Yeah. And I'm buying drinks for everybody, and then I'm like, "Look at that ladder over there. I should climb that yeah. ladder." Yeah. Not to like jump off or anything. I just want yeah. to see what life was like on top what, of that ladder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's up here? <laughs> so you were you were rum and coke. Do you yeah. have a specific brand of rum? Um, Captain Morgan private nice. stock. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I like their. They have that spiced one with the 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 kraken on it. Oh yeah, I I used to really like that one a lot. I forget what it's called. It might just be the, called the Captain Morgan or the the actual kraken. 
Maybe it was Kraken. Yeah, Kraken. Kraken has a little bit more of vanilla to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So Kraken. Yeah. You're. I knew you used to be Smirnoff. Did you? Did you? Did you translate into anything else? I've kind of gotten away from that. More into the whiskey side of the house now. Just, I, I just like a good whiskey. Just a good whiskey. Yeah, as long as it doesn't taste like moody. I, I was a Jaeger and any kind of vodka, cheap. The cheaper the better, because the Red Bull kills the taste. What do you drink as the resident alcoholic? Of I am not <laughs> a resident alcoholic. I just enjoy a good, you know, every now and then. Right. I'm more like, let's see, my favorite over the holidays is Coquito. I love making that. I love coconut. Coconut anything yeah. I love. Uh, but usually when I'm not doing anything and wanting to, it's, uh, what is it called? Vodka and cranberry juice. Oh, like class simple yeah yeah, yeah just easy they or used to I'll, be... I'll test martinis out sometimes and yeah but that's traditionally what i like to go the vodka and cranberry used to be my that was my end of the night i can just sip on it and kind of calm down before i have yeah. to try to go somewhere yeah my uh my broke college go-to was house vodka and uh Ooh. heineken mm. which Ooh. was uh you know not the best wait at yeah. the same time yeah, yeah. No, oh. no. Well, the, the house vodka supercharges the Heineken, right? Because the Heineken has a higher alcohol percentage than oh. most of the beers you can get. Yeah. And then the, the house vodka is just basically turpentine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. It's like that part when they they make their drinks and all the drinks just mix together the and they're, yeah, and then they pour it in a cup yeah. and say, yeah. here you go. And the bleeds from the rag. Oh, yeah. It's nice. great. They got to ring the rag. Yeah. Off. It doesn't count. Gross. Yeah. Favorite mixed drinks? Is that a question? No, that for me. Follow-up? Oh. Follow-up question. Um, so recently not recently now, I guess it's been three years. We went I went to a concert in Philly over New Year's. And so complete snow Damn, on the, the ground. Coldest yeah, time of the year for freezing, Philly, man. Not pleasant. The venue was selling hot chocolate and they were selling fireball. Oh nice. And we were we were like, hey, what if we put the fireball in the yeah. hot chocolate? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. Mexican yeah, hot yeah. chocolate. Yeah, 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 that's good. That's good. Nice spiced hot chocolate. Your, your mixture? Mine would be... And this is a mixed drink where you're mixing alcohols, right? Yeah. Not ingredients? Oh, it could be an ingredient. Whatever whatever it is that you like to do. Your cocktail of choice. Coquito, man. It's uh, it's, uh, when was the first time I... My mom gave me some several a couple years ago. She had somebody made her some and... Nobody sold it to her. For those of you who've been running with that controversy, um, she got she acquired a bottle, and I left it in the fridge for a long time, thinking I don't want to drink. This is gross. Then I actually cracked it open and tried it, man. And it had two different liquors in it too. Oh, it so what are what are the two liquors? I know for sure one of them is Bacardi. Okay. I forgot which Bacardi, but it has to be. A, I think it's a spiced one, and it may be also Gold Bacardi Gold. But um, okay. yeah. I do have to caveat earlier too when you said a bad night, Bacardi one fifty one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can't do that yeah. anymore. I've yeah. seen somebody fire breathe on that stuff. I I was walking into a bar once already again semi drunk, and there was a guy trying to convince his other friend to take a shot of Bacardi with him, and I was like, "You could do it. Don't be a wuss." Immediately puked in the yeah. bush and was like, "Maybe you shouldn't." Walked back yeah. in. Is one fifty one the one they don't make anymore? Oh, no, they, they make, make it. it. You can still get it. Yeah, you can yeah, still okay. get it. It's it's more limited. Yeah, but they do make it. Okay. Because if they got rid of that, they'd have to get rid of yeah, uh, that's like what's the other one? The nasty drink that's ninety Everclear. Yeah, oh, Everclear oh. or Abstinence. Yeah, Abs- 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 not as bad as people make it. I've never to be. had that. Yeah. 
this this time of year well i used this, to this now, shows you refined drinking matt <laughs> now, now i really probably shouldn't but uh, a white belgium which mm. is uh white russian with chocolate liqueur instead of coffee Ooh. and then um a pims cup number two which is pims from england which is kind of like a tropical orange flavor okay. with ginger beer and then it's dressed with like all sorts of uh fr- fruit and shit oh so. sounds good as not a beer guy is ginger beer better ginger or similar yeah, oh, it's just ginger ginger oh, I, could um, I could have that the, the ginger beer i think actually has alcohol in it but yeah uh-huh. it's basically the same a little bit more of that that biting ginger taste but yeah ginger's pretty good he's a tea too all right well with that Wait, what was yours what? my favorite no. mixture flaming dr pepper flaming dr flaming dr pepper yep what is a flaming Dr. Pepper? Oh, don't give me the line. I've usually pampered by the it's time like a I get shot that they set on fire and tasted just like Dr. Pepper. So really? they, got, they have a big mug yeah. filled with beer. Yeah. And then they usually have like straws, forks, or whatever holding up a tall shot glass right, on right. top of that, right? And then they, I know they have, um, this is how fuzzy my memory is. A now. type of liquor. Three. It's three, three types of liquor. Okay. Yeah. And they usually wrap it up with Bacardi 151 on top and light it on wow. fire. So while oh, it's on fire, the flame yeah, fuel. and they'll say fire the hole, slap whatever's holding the shot glass up there, and it'll fall into the glass. Uh-huh. You're supposed to slam it, the whole thing. As soon as the shot glass hits the bottom, pick it up, slam it. Uh-huh. It tastes like Dr. Pepper. It does. Really? It tastes straight like Dr. Pepper. And that's well, what where about the... the fire? It just goes, nah, goes out. Don't worry about the fire. <laughs> yeah, I pass. I'm not even gonna burn my face over that. I thought for a second thing. though you were gonna give us our required wrestling podcast Simpsons reference and go with the flaming mo, but you did. Good job. I'm gonna cut that. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna go ahead and start wrapping this up. Okay. I can't thank you enough, Biz, for joining us today. I know this is a little out of your way and kind of unorthodox. <laughs> <laughs> Talking wrestling's always good. I Talk to it. me. Tell me where we can find you, Inspire, and anything else you got coming in the future. Anything else you want to plug? Yeah, on the uh, the Twitter is what we call it here, right? Yeah, that's it's what I, a, that's what he it's calls a, it. A, <laughs> a life is a war. Um, <laughs> it's a at this says. Um, follow all the Inspire AD socials, which I'm sure are on the screen currently. Um, and yeah, February 25th, Inspire AD. Uh, Battle Wars taking on New Texas Pro. So, um, very excited. Matches should be coming soon. Already stuff in the works. So, pumped for that. All right, Matt. Go ahead and say it, whatever it is. I was going to say, after this, though, we should talk more wrestling and start a wrestling and drinking podcast. Yeah. And just discuss. Because you may be shocked to hear there are a few drinkers in professional wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've heard that somewhere. But so no, is that's the beauty of it. You don't edit drinks? it. You just let it get worse. <laughs> oh, oh so, did, so take a shot every time somebody does something, yeah. an um or two. Oh, dear God. <laughs> we're everybody's going to do Our it. Five minute podcast. Everybody's going to do it, especially if you're slamming a couple. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that's it for me, Waldo. I'm the Matt. And I'm Dr. The Boy. Don't forget, you can check out all of Face Wrestling stuff. I don't have this in front of me, so on the YouTubes, the socials. SoundCloud. We're back on SoundCloud. I I fixed the SoundCloud and the iTunes thing. Oh, okay. And check out www.starter-world.com for only 920 in a month. How many? 920. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. And don't forget, everyone is different and everyone's good.